Hi, this is Isabel from Bell Around the World, and you are listening to the Eat Block Talk podcast. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to Eat Blog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave Eat Blog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Hey, food bloggers, welcome to Eat Blog Talk, sponsored by Rank IQ. I'm your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 270. Today, I will be talking to Isabel from Bell Around the World, and she is going to talk us through how to grow traffic organically via SEO, as well as how to brainstorm and validate topics in your niche. Full-time travel blogger and SEO coach roaming the world at whim, Isabel Leong draws energy from being outdoors. An explorer at heart, the world is her playground. She is helping aspiring bloggers and brands get the most out of their online presence and financial freedom by ranking on Google faster with SEO and exposing millennial travelers to experiences beyond their imaginations. That is such an exciting bio. I love it, Isabel. Um, And before we get started, do you like being called Isabel or do you prefer Belle? Yeah, Isabel is fine. (laughs) Okay. Well, do you have a fun fact to share with all of us today? Yeah. So um, I have been traveling full time since October 2020. I mean, I came back home to Singapore uh, for a little bit for eight months uh, during the pandemic. And then I decided to get out of there and get out into the world. And I've been on the road since then. Right now I'm in Cusco and I never had any plans to stay longer than a month. So I would never have thought of adopting a cat, but lo and behold, I have a pregnant kitty with me in my house right now. And yeah, just, just taking care of her when she, she came at a time when she was abandoned and she needed a place to like, you know, um, yeah, a safe place. Yeah, like like yeah, being being a safe place to to have a baby. So I'm really Aww. excited to for her to give birth. Hopefully, in the coming week. <laughs> oh, that's exciting! How nice of you to take her in and kind of be her safe spot while she's getting ready for a big event, right? Yeah, it's been a joy, like working from home and then traveling, like doing day tours, and and still come home to her jumping around. (laughs) That's so sweet. I love that. Um, And I also love your traveling. I love that you have such an adventurous spirit and you're roaming around the world. And now that things are opening up a little bit more post pandemic, are you finding it easier to get around? Well, it's been, I feel like it's been a little bit more complicated with the vaccine vaccination rolling out because more and more um, countries are making it mandatory to have a vaccine and because I've been kind of moving from place to place I haven't really had the opportunity to get one yet and I've been able to get around to places with less restrictions like Mexico and Colombia and Costa Rica in the past but now but now like moving from place to place usually they would either require you to have a vaccine or you are not allowed to visit Machu Picchu, for example. Right. I didn't think about that, but 
things that definitely complicates things, doesn't it, for a lot of travelers. So yeah, well, hopefully you can continue exploring. And I love that you are just doing this adventure. And thank you for being here. I'm excited to chat about SEO. It's a really huge topic for food bloggers. And in fact, some of our top rated listened to uh, episodes here at eBlog Talk are SEO themed. So this could potentially be one of those. Do you just want to talk to us about, I know you have a few case studies that you've put together that have some information about increasing traffic that I think could benefit my listeners. Why don't you just dig into those if you don't mind? Yeah, of course. So um, I'm a huge advocate. Maybe I can explain why I'm a huge advocate of SEO first. Like I've been I've been blogging for since 2015. I had this travel blog well around the world. And, you know, like as a beginner blogger, you're just trying to get traffic from any kind of source, like either Pinterest or, or social media or, or Google. And I've just found the most success with SEO because it gives me the greatest return with the least effort. And what I mean by that is like... Um, as long as you write a SEO optimized post and it ranks on Google for the keywords that you're targeting for, you can get continuous traffic every year, even if you left it, even if you left it on its own, like without touching it, without any kinds of promotion. And so I and so I started becoming more and more focused on SEO rather than different modes of social media promotion. And I found really great success with it. So one example, like this is one of the most recent examples that um, of a post that went viral just from just from me writing the article and, and posting it, publishing it on my blog and leaving it on its own without any active form of social promotion whatsoever. So I first published this post somewhere in the middle of May 2021. Um, yeah, and then I left it on its own. No social media promotion, no reposting, no trying to get backlinks. I don't think I even indexed it on Google Search Console. So everything um, and so everything was really just left on its own. And then recently, um, as I went back to my Google Analytics to check on its traffic, I found that within within two, three, four months, I started seeing this increase in traffic. So I published it in middle of May and from... August onwards, it started um, increasing in traffic. And as of the end of November, I found that 90% of the traffic came from just organic search on Google, just from people searching that particular keyword that the article was trending, was um, targeting for. So um, just looking back at what I've done, I can pull out a couple of different factors, a couple of different factors that contributed to this. Um, this growth in traffic, when I when I went deeper into the research, I found that it has even gotten backlinks just organically without me like going out to hustle to to do any outreach. I have earned ten backlinks, of which six of them are unique to different domains, and it ranks for nine hundred and twenty four keywords, and it gets a monthly average traffic of 2,500. So those backlinks can actually come naturally if you produce the right content without you having to go search them down. Yeah, absolutely. So what is your strategy? Can you talk us through it? Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, I'll list a a couple factors. 
that would contribute to having an SEO-optimized blog post. So for those that are relatively new to SEO, some of the the most fundamental SEO, on-page SEO tips are to have your target keyword as close to the front of the title as possible. And if you are writing a listicle, include the number in the title. So like, for example, um, 10 best vegan recipes. I'm just pulling it off my head now. Yeah, so, so to include the number in the title rather than just listing best vegan recipes. Why is that? Why would you need a number there? It has been shown to drive better clicks. Like people at, people tend to click on titles with numbers better than those that don't. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And then here's a question I have. If I go back and change it, so let's say I start a roundup with 10 and then I increase it to 13, do I just put like 10 plus or do I change it to 13 or what do I do there? I would say to put 13. So then the readers would have, like they, they already know what to expect when they click on the when they click on the post. But you can always experiment and see what your readers um, prefer. Yeah. Okay. So what else? What are some other tips for on-site SEO? For sure. And um, of course, you want to sprinkle your keywords throughout the article. Like if you were, if you were trying to rank for um, vegan, vegan recipes, for example, you want to sprinkle it throughout the article. You want it to be in your introduction, in the body, in your H, H2 and H3 headers, in your um, concluding paragraph as well. So really have a mixture of keywords throughout the articles and also use, there's this term called LSI keywords, which is, it's short for latent semantic indexing. And these are words related to your main keywords, but are not synonyms. So just for example, um, say if, let's say I was talking about and where to go clubbing in Amsterdam, then some LSI keywords would be nightlife or drinking or party and music. And so because all these words are used frequently together, it helps Google understand the context of the article. And instead of just, you know, pasting um, Amsterdam clubs throughout this, throughout your whole article, which might backfire because that's a way of keyword cannibalization. Um, yeah, a way to combat that is to use LSI keywords, which is keywords related to your main target keyword. Is there a way to figure those out easily or are you just guessing with those? Um, I would say to, there are a couple of SEO tools that, that, that do suggest these LSI keywords. I know there's one called Surfer SEO, but apart from that, you can, you can do a Google search and, and see the, when you do a Google search of the keywords that you're trying to target, you can take a look at um, like the competitors, those those sites that are ranking in the first page and get a general idea of what type of topics they're talking about within, within that main topic. Don't tools like SEMrush kind of do that? They have optimizers. I know Rank IQ, which is a keyword research tool that I use and absolutely love, um, does that as well. They optimize your content within their tool so that you can see some of those words or keywords or phrases, exactly what you're saying. Like they're related, but they're not the same thing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The keyword tools are really good. I really suggest like if you really want to get serious about blogging and getting your articles ranked on Google, you definitely have to invest in one keyword research tool. On Do you have preferred keyword research tools? I always like to suggest um, for very entry level bloggers to start with key search because I think it's around $10, $11 a month. And it's kind of the, it's the most entry level um, keyword research tool out there. And the the it, the barrier to learning isn't as complicated as most other SEO tools I've found. Like I know SEMrush, when I first try to go on it, um, it can be a bit overwhelming to people who are completely new to SEO. Yes, I agree with that. I think I find SEMrush personally extremely <laughs> overwhelming. And I'm that's like looking at it, that's just not the way my brain necessarily works. Um, I know a lot of people who use key search and they absolutely love it and it's affordable. Uh, I mentioned Rank IQ. I could not speak more highly of that. Have you worked with Rank IQ at all? Actually, no. I will have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It actually focuses on low competition keywords. For me, it's been more effective than any other tool that I've used. I have ranked so much higher so quickly with a lot of the keywords that I'm using from there. So I just wanted to mention that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I have to check it out. Yes. uh, Everyone should go check it out. It's wonderful. So what are some other tips that you have as far as um, on-site SEO? Yeah, um, I would say to try to break out your paragraphs because a lot of users these days are mobile readers. And so if they see huge chunks of paragraphs, they're just going to be put off and leave your site. So try to have um, shorter paragraphs, maybe two sentences, and then the next paragraph, two sentences, two or three sentences. And another way to make it more readable as well is to include images which you should optimize with the alt text as well. So by that, it's it's um, putting your target keywords into the alt text of your image and the description and the title. That's great. Um, is there anything else before we move into your specific case studies? No, I think that's about it for, for those that are trying to start out to write and optimize um, SEO optimized post. All right. Awesome. Those are great tips. So tell us about these case studies that you have. Yeah. So I have actually, I was working with um, this travel tour company um, sometime in April. So I was in Mexico then, and I was working with them as a travel blogger to promote their adventure tours. And when I was speaking with them, I realized that um, because of the pandemic, a lot of people are not traveling, right? And tourism has been really hit hard. So all these um, tour operators who used to have brick and mortar stores, they no longer have that audience, that audience who would come in to inquire about tours these days. And so this tour operator, he realized the, the need to be more present online and so when he found out that I specialize in optimizing websites to rank on Google he reached out and so we I've jumped on and helped him with his website traffic with his just his um to optimize his online search presence and so when I first started in April yeah I was really fixing everything I was going through his um I was doing an SEO audit and fixing all of his website the the back end side of things as well as the front end side of things and 
So April, May, June, I was working on a lot of that. And then when I was doing a review a couple months back, I've realized that his organic traffic, and by that I mean traffic coming from Google, Google searches or Bing searches or Yahoo searches, it has tripled since April. Wow, since April, so not even a year. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been like maybe between six to eight months. Do you have any details about that, like specific content or what you feel contributed to that the most? Yeah, for sure. So like I usually, for every client, I would go through a couple stages. The first stage is to do an SEO audit to make sure that the website runs smoothly. Like site speed is a very important factor for SEO as well. So so optimizing site speed. And, and by that, it's... Kind of the easiest way to go about it if you're if you're not keen on technical side of SEO is really to look at your images to see if they are they are optimized in size. So for example, if your blog post is only showing a maximum width of 800 pixels, there's no point uploading a blog post that's 3,000 pixels, which is usually the size of a, a normal picture like when you take with your camera or when you take with your phone so whenever you try to upload pictures onto your blog post make sure that it fits just enough the width of your of your blog post um, layout and not anything bigger than that because then it's going to take up space it's going to take up space within within your blog server and so all of that I mean if you have 10 images it's gonna it's gonna really weigh down the site speed of the of the blog post and so yeah that's one thing to it's the easiest to fix it's the easiest to um do in order to optimize um site speed let's take a really quick break to chat about rank iq a powerful keyword research tool that every food blogger should be using in my opinion it contains a customized library filled with keywords that actually apply to specific food blogging niches Some of the niches included are appetizers, chicken, chocolate, cupcakes, gluten-free, keto, meal prep, sous vide, air fryer, barbecue, sides, leftovers, and so many more. That is just a handful of them. You go into the tool and you can select a niche within the keyword library and browse through a manageable database of keywords that are all low competition. One of my recent strategies is to select the sauces and condiments niche because I found great success with sauce recipes in recent months. And I sort by lowest competition to greatest competition. I pick some of those really low competition keywords so I can see what I will most easily be able to rank for. After that, I browse through the keyword phrases and I see what stands out to me, what will align the best within my own content. I select a few and I either use those keywords to redo old content that I have sitting in my archives or I use them to create new posts. This has been a really effective strategy for me and I've found an absolute ton of traffic over the past 10 months by doing this. If you are looking to up your game with keyword research and get ranked on the first or second page on Google, and even in some cases, I've been ranked very quickly on the first spot on page one on Google, 
no joke, check out Rank IQ. It is a really powerful tool worth considering in 2022. So I hope you find as much power in it as I have. Go to rankiq.com for more information, or you can check out the resources page at eblogtalk.com forward slash resources to get your link to go over there as well. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. What else did that case study focus on? Yeah, and we also went into fixing broken pages, broken links, irrelevant information or outdated information, and also to optimize the meta description of each blog post or each page, things like that. So lots of little details. This has been my journey. I've, I started blogging 11 years ago, so I did everything wrong in the beginning. So I've spent the last few years doing everything that you're talking about, but I have so many posts that it's like, oh gosh, just so overwhelming. So I'm very familiar. It's a lot of little things, but they definitely all add up as far as time commitment goes. And it can be a super overwhelming project. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's why I always encourage like... T- um Usually, maybe once every half a year, I would encourage people as well as my my course students to take on this five day reoptimizing five day blog post reoptimizing challenge that I've created. It's completely free for them, and it takes away the overwhelm because it's broken down into five days, and so they kind of can tackle each problem, each audit issue day by day. Oh, I love that. Is that something we can share later or did you want to share it here? Yeah, I I think I can send you the link later on or in the show notes. Yeah, we can put it in the show notes for sure. I think that sounds really, really helpful. Did you have another case study you wanted to chat about? No. So, I mean, just with this case study alone, there's a lot to be learned. Like doing an SEO audit is really important. Having also having to look at keywords to optimize because in the beginning they I mean they didn't know anything about SEO they just knew that they ran all these tours and so I really helped them to hone in on the keywords to focus on because I know like some bloggers or some small business owners when they first start out they want to talk about everything like if you are in food you would talk about everything related to food rather than honing in on maybe just slow cooker type of posts And so it's really all about honing in on keywords because Google also looks at the overall keyword density of your site. So like, for example, if I'm a travel blogger and I wrote about um, fashion and I wrote about skincare and I wrote about travel, then Google's going to have a hard time understanding what my blog is actually about and, and then, and subsequently what to rank the blog because they want to rank blogs that are an expert in a certain in a certain um, topic like if you blog about Scotland travel you only write posts about Scotland travel and and Google will recognize that you're talking about everything related to Scottish food and culture and all that so then a Scotland travel blog is going to be ranking much easily than for for Scotland related posts for Scotland related searches as compared to like a general travel blog I love how you explained that. I haven't heard anyone explain it quite like that. So thank you. And yeah, this is why we want to establish credibility on certain subtopics, right? Like we're food bloggers. Obviously, we create recipes and food. Um, But 
figuring out what those subtopics are and really focusing on those is kind of what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That is awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to say about that side of it? So the organic growth through SEO, or should we move on to um, validating topics? Yeah, we can go on to validating topics. Okay. So what do you think? How do we brainstorm and validate those topics that we want to write about within our niche? Yeah. So say, for example, like I'm actually currently working on an article about things to do in La Paz, Bolivia, where I was living for the last three months and I want to create a blog post about it. Say if you didn't have a SEO tool right now, you can always go into Google search because it tells you so much. So um when you go into google.com and you hit on the search bar, you want to search a, a generic term, for example. Mm-hmm. I would I would search La Paz, Bolivia. And before you hit enter, there's usually a drop down that lists different, different variations of that keyword phrase that you're typing out. So, for example, La Paz, Bolivia population, La Paz, Bolivia weather, La Paz, Bolivia altitude. And then when you actually hit enter and the result page shows out, shows up, there are different featured snippets. Like for example, people also ask, and then they would come up with, they would have a list of different questions related to that target keyword phrase that you just typed in. And that's not all. If you scroll down, sometimes you can see the video featured snippet that shows different topics related to that keyword phrase. Um, And if you scroll all the way down, you can usually see like a box with even more long tail keywords that you can think about within that target keyword phrase. And so this is one way to, because I know a lot of bloggers kind of struggle with content with a writer's blog and and not knowing whether or not that topic that they want to write about is worth writing. So so this is one way to see what people are asking, what people are talking about related to that core, that main keyword phrase. And yeah, and there are also different um, keyword um, Chrome extensions. I know I know Keyword Surfer has a Chrome extension, which gives you, it's a free extension. Once you install it, they will have a sidebar that shows you what the volume of different keywords related to that main keyword phrase that you typed out. And the the main, yeah, the different volume of searches each month. And keywords everywhere, I think, is one of those two. I do, I know you do have to pay. You pay very minimally. I think I pay like ten dollars a quarter, but I use that pretty often too. And it does the same thing. I think is what mm-hmm. you're saying with was it keyword surfer? Keyword surfer. That was it. So I have a question about using Google. So I think it's such an underrated strategy just to go on Google. It's free. It's easy. Everybody knows how to use Google. We should be utilizing it more often. How do we prioritize what we're seeing? So we see all those different, like the boxes with the questions and do the first questions that pop up mean they're the most popular? And do we include those questions as H2s within our posts? How do we kind of organize all of that information? Yeah, so you want every blog post that you create to be as comprehensive and as all-encompassing as possible because that's that's one of the main factors that Google looks at to decide if you should rank higher than others. And that's why I like to, even on top of doing keyword research in, in individual keyword research tools, I like to just 
type in the main keyword. Say, for example, I was looking for Pad Thai. Oh, if let's say I was writing about Pad Thai recipes, I would just key that into Google search and then scroll down. I would look at maybe the first three posts and see how they are structured, what kinds of questions they are answering, what kinds of topics they are writing about. And yeah, the people also ask featured snippet. It's really important to try to answer some of these questions because these are questions that people are asking when researching about that Pad Thai recipe. So what is Pad Thai sauce made of? How is Pad Thai traditionally made? These questions, you would try to incorporate them into your blog post when writing it because back to being a comprehensive resource, you want your blog post to try and answer as many questions that people have about that topic. So let's say you take the top three posts on Google for the keyword Pad Thai and you kind of take note of what they're asking inside their posts, but you do want to be unique too, right? So you don't want to like copy and paste everything or use the exact same questions, I guess, within your blog post. So how do you different differentiate yourself while still including all of that same information? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, because some of the questions are rather generic or rather like commonly asked. I wouldn't say that you can't answer the same questions that those people are answering. It's just that you can have a unique take on how you how you write it out as well as including some of your own personal experiences. Like you maybe you can talk about how you've been to Thailand and spoke to local cooks and tell the story of how Pad Thai was formed. And so, yeah, really just have your own unique take. Definitely be original. Definitely not plagiarize any of the any of the blog posts that you're reading. So adding your voice and using your own questions, but just kind of taking note of the important pieces of those top posts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then featured snippets. Do you have any insights about how to get your information inside those featured snippets? Yeah, I've had um, a couple of successes with that, actually. So I found that posts, like some of my posts that rank on featured snippets are those that have proper structure. So there was one post that I was writing about things to do in Lisbon, I believe. And I would write, um, I would have different headers where I talk about the weather in Lisbon. Um, I would talk about uh, how to get there and things like that. And so when when I have feed, when I have those headers in my H two or H three heading, Google would pick out those, and they can they would actually um, when I search incognito in those target keywords that I was trying to target that blog post for, I have found that some of these headers end up appearing below my meta description. Yeah, so if you're answering, like even when you're answering the questions on featured snippet, you can, um, so like what is Pad Thai sauce made of? You can turn it into a H, H3 heading or H2 heading and then put your answer below that. And so sometimes it can appear in a featured snippet because like Google, like, you know, they, they kind of copy and paste. If they see what is Pad Thai sauce made of in your post, they can it's easier for them to detect the question and show the answer. And then I always had this question. I don't think I've ever asked anybody. Do you need to be exact word for word with the questions? So the questions you see that pop up on Google and maybe also on a tool like Answer the Public, 
do you need to exactly post like word for word? I would say it increases the chances of it being picked up and being fe- being shown in the featured snippet because that's the way, um, like that's how people are asking. So I know different countries have different ways of um, of speech, and so and so like when when Google goes back to detecting the keywords, it's easier for them to detect it if it's asked wholesale, you know. Because sometimes it's kind of awkward the way the question is presented, like. It'll be something like, instead of what is pad thai sauce made of, it'll be something like what pad thai sauce is or something yeah. like that. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, when it comes to that, then you definitely want to be as coherent as possible, not just regurgitate um, things that Google are pulling out because, um, because yeah, it, it helps with user experience, which is also another factor of Google um, SEO. Um, having a good user experience when people are enjoying and staying on your site longer, that is a signal for Google to show that, um, oh, people are enjoying this this blog post. They're answering the questions that they are typing out on Google search. And so that helps to prioritize that. And, and so that Google prioritizes these blog posts. Yeah, I like that, the way you said that. That kind of just gave me permission to not do everything word for word because I feel like this is the Bible as far as, you know, like what an H2 should read. So I tend to just put it word for word in, but it makes more sense to me that we're catering to the user ultimately. So we need to actually make sense with our language. Yeah, for sure. Like user is always number one. So you should always be catering to your audience's needs and preferences. Yeah. Do you ever use Google Search Console as a keyword research tool? Yeah, um, but usually for optimizing my old blog posts. So I would pull in the keywords that that particular blog post was already ranking for and go back to re-optimize that blog post with what keyword research, uh, with what Google Search Console is is showing me. So for example, if... Like I realized that there are certain keywords on Google Search Console that that are getting traffic to my blog post, but I haven't been including a lot of those keywords. When I go back to re-optimize that blog post, I would incorporate those keywords from Google Search Console, which helps with re with which helps with re-ranking that old blog post to to a higher to a higher search result. So going to maybe like a specific page on Google Search Console and then checking out the queries, right? Yeah, for specific blog posts. I think somebody else gave me this piece of advice too, because I remember doing this for a handful of my top posts, but I would go to queries and then I would just kind of peruse what was there. And if I saw something that I did not have inside of my post, I would try to organically include it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another way um, to just look at your whole blog as a as a general. If you wanted to do just a general reoptimization, you could just look at the main page and see what are the top queries. But my other suggestion was like if you already know that a certain blog post was ranking maybe in the eighth or the eleventh position, and you want to bump it up to to the first result of that particular keyword, then a very powerful method is to really just pluck the whole blog post URL into Google Search Console and see what it already is ranking for, for the different queries, the different keywords. And then 
go back to re-optimize it with those keywords that have not been included in that blog post. Yeah, I feel like there's so much you can do to optimize content that it just gets a little overwhelming. There's obviously a handful of different tools you can use, whether it's old content or new content. You've got the standard free options, Google Search Console and Google. So where do you recommend starting? If somebody's listening and they are just kind of getting started out with food blogging, um, what do you recommend they start with? If you want to opt for free tools, I would say start with the free Chrome extensions, start with just searching, doing your basic Google search to see if they are in demand. And and also um, there is this website called answerthepublic.com where if you input like a general keyword topic, it generates hundreds of different questions that people are asking for. But that's kind of broad because... Um, it gives you topic ideas to, to when you are trying to brainstorm um, that broad topic, but it doesn't really hone in on like the demand of each long tail keyword. So that's a starting point if you are looking to if you're looking to just expand the number of topics that you're writing about because it shows like hundreds of different kinds of questions that people are asking about related to that. I personally use Answer the Public for my FAQ sections in WordPress. So if I'm just doing something really broad like um, FAQ about lemons, I'll type in lemons and then I'll just get like the top search result or questions, I guess, that are asked about lemons. Like, are lemons acidic? Can you bake with let me know? And then I'll put those in within the post within the FAQ block. So that's personally how I use Answer the Public. Yeah, but I would say I think Google search is is good enough for beginners who don't want the overwhelm of having to learn the different ranking factors and DA and domain authority and page authority and long tail keywords and all that. Yeah, that's such a great point. It's free. It's easy. Everyone knows how to use it already. So you can start there easily if you really want to dig into keyword research. Yeah. And the formula is always high demand, but low competition. And that's where, yeah, that's where anyone can start. Yeah. Oh, that's a great formula. Is there anything we've missed, Isabel, about any of this? Do you have anything else to add before we start saying goodbye? Um, no, I think we've covered quite a number of topics within SEO. There's just so much to learn and it's always a continuous learning journey. And that's what I like about it. Like you see results once you implement, diff- when, once you experiment and implement different tactics within SEO. Yeah, definitely. And there's such a big, I think you said this early on, there's such a great return for a little effort if you actually put the effort in. Um, and do that keyword research up front and don't just like push something out and hope that it does well, but put some thought into it and some research into it. Now, you mentioned your SEO training course, which is free, and we will link to that in the show notes. But do you want to tell us just a little bit more about that here? Sure. It's um, it's for bloggers who are, I mean, they who already have a blog and they're kind of like, they know that SEO is important, but they don't know where to get started. So this little training, this little video training shows some more specific steps on how you can implement SEO to your blog without all the overwhelm. Great. Well, everyone should go check that out within the show notes for sure. That sounds super helpful. Um, Your show notes, Isabel, can be found at eblogtalk.com 
forward slash bell around the world and bell is just b-e-l do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share with food bloggers today yeah, I always like to say just do it because I know like through talking to different, different people who want to start a blog, who want to start living a more independent and travel like something, a more digital nomad life. They're always worried about, oh, what if I don't do this? What if I don't get this? What if, yeah, a lot of what ifs, but um, if you really want to make it, you should really just do it. Like just start a blog, just start writing and everything else can come after. Simple yet so powerful. I love it. That's such a great way to end. Thank you so much for being here. It was really fun to talk to you. And I always love getting different perspectives on SEO from people who really are passionate about it. So I really, we, all of us really appreciate your time today, Isabel. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was so fun. So we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but Will you tell everyone where they can find you online? Where's the best place to go? Website, social media, all of that. Yeah, sure. So my travel blog is bell, com, And I write all about travel. I write about um, digital nomad, which is kind of the life that I'm embarking right now, as well as tips on solo traveling, food travel, and a little bit about blogging as well. Um, if you want to find out, uh, if you want to sign up for the free SEO course, it's bellaroundtheworld.com slash sign dash up dash SEO. Awesome. Are you on Instagram? Yes, I am. So if you go on, so my, my handle is bellaroundtheworld. If you go on my main travel blog, you'll be able to find all of my social media handles on there as well. Great. I think I just found you. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again, Isabel, so much for joining me here today. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.